Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Tell you that the Eagles have made a lot of phone calls, although that's Howie Roseman. He calls everybody every year about every pick just to see what it would take. The Vikings have been active working the phones. That would probably be if one of those offensive tackles ends up sliding. And this is an interesting one. The Patriots have been calling around in the top 10. And teams that have gotten those calls believe that their target would be Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Speculation. Wow. Yep. Yepers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Our guy Tom Pelissero, our friend, yep. NFL Network, former co-worker, um, dropping a little reckless speculation nugget regarding. Now I know the main made headline there is the Patriots, and but he said the Vikings are active calling teams in that seven to ten range. So we'll get to that. This is Purple Daily. Mackie Judd, executive producer, Declan. We have a wonderful mock draft Monday for you here. Peter King has gone out there and uh, listed who he thinks will be the first round pick. So we'll do that on today's episode. Uh, but two things, TCL, enjoy more of what you love with TCL, our presenting sponsor here on Purple Daily. And Draft Week is presented in part by our friends at Federated. Happy Draft Week, you guys. Are you guys pumped? Oh, I'm pumped. This is it. Are you kidding uh, me? I love this week. This is going to be, a, uh, we're going to do, obviously, our daily shows. We're going to do a live stream on Thursday night. And uh, we'll be ready to react to if the Vikings make a big trade or something. We're going to be here reacting on a regular basis. But at Federated... Uh, they just want drivers to note that in 2020, over 43,000 Americans died in vehicle crashes, which was 3,000 more than the previous year. So, listen, there's a lot of things happening outside of our control, but driving and safe driving is not one of them. For your safety, for your loved ones, for each other, let's all remember to drive safely. The MyShield portal at federatedinsurance.com has great safe driving resources for you and your employees. Remember, at Federated, it's our business. To protect yours. All right. Um, quick thoughts on um, what Pelissero is reporting. And then we also have uh, a fun Orlando Brown Jr. experiment here. But he's saying that they're actively calling and gauging interest for maybe moving up from 14 to like 7 or 8 or 9 is where maybe the logical connection is because of the Broncos and George Payton. But your thoughts? Uh, well, they they called. We know this. They, they called as high as 4, which I believe is Falcons. Uh, it's just too much. So they said no. So the Vikings have been very active in trying 
to move up for quite some time. I don't really expect them to do it. My only question is this, not are they calling, who are they calling about exactly? Mm-hmm. So are they calling about, you know, uh, Panay Sewell, who could step in and be a 10-year <laughs> answer at left tackle? And if they are, I applaud them. Or are they calling about a certain QB? I think they've looked at every QB in this draft other than Lawrence because he was going to go first, and they knew that. Don't uh, make the but, same mistakes the Seahawks and the but, and the Browns did in draft day. Yeah, with uh, Wisconsin quarterback. Yeah, but keep you in mind. Know. But and keep Bo Callahan. Keep in mind too, Zach Wilson. What Phil two months ago was thought to be maybe a top ten pick. I mean that was not a slam dunk, and now it, it appears that on Thursday he'll be taken second overall by the Jets. My point is it's not surprising, and it's been pretty well known that, that the Vikings have been been making calls to teams picking within the top 10. What we don't know is what the intention would be if they got the pick. Yeah, I I think it's offensive line related. It wouldn't shock me if it was Justin Fields' due diligence now that it it seems like the Niners are deciding between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, unless all of this is a gigantic smokescreen. But if you're the Vikings and your other teams, you're, you're looking at the board and saying, all right, well, if the Falcons pass on Justin Fields and all of a sudden now he starts slipping into the 7, 8, 9, 10 range, then maybe we can trade up and get a 10-year franchise quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked if they were doing that due diligence. It doesn't seem like there's a, a huge appetite for defensive players in the top 10. Like There might only be two defensive players going in the top 10. So uh, unless the Vikings love one of them, maybe they love Micah Parsons or something, and, and you might say, well, they already have two linebackers. That's not how they. That's not. That's not the direct logic that they would be using. Um, so I'm. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how this plays out, and and you know what the price tag would even be for moving up from 14 to yes. seven or eight. If you've got two or three teams like the Patriots that are fighting for uh, maybe a 10 year franchise quarterback, then no longer is it just looking at the draft value chart. There there might be a bidding war, and you might drive the price up. Speaking of the draft value chart, boys. So after we recorded on Friday, uh, the Vikings were uh, one of many teams that were told by the Baltimore Ravens, your offer is no good here. The Kansas City Chiefs won the sweepstakes for Orlando Brown Jr.'s services, and I'm assuming he'll play left tackle for them now because that's why he wanted out of Baltimore. So Kansas City gets Orlando Brown Jr. They get a second-round pick this year from Baltimore and a sixth-round pick next year. Baltimore gets this year's 31st overall pick from Kansas City, the uh, third-round pick this year, pick 94, the fourth-round pick this year, and then next year's fifth-round pick. And so my question to you is, so I have put together, I busted out the draft value point sheet so that I could see what would be the equivalent trade the Vikings could pull off um, and and would they do it and would the Ravens do it? So the you know the Ravens wind up getting four picks. They give up three things and get four. So this actually worked out pretty well for them, I think. You know, a guy that they weren't going to want to pay big money to and a guy who didn't want to didn't want to be on the team if he wasn't playing left tackle. And they still wind up with a first, a third, a fourth. They give up a second, but they get some draft capital back. The Vikings equivalent, according to just matching up draft value points, would be they get Orlando Brown Jr., they get the late first-round pick from the Ravens, 
and they get a fourth round pick from the Ravens for the 14th overall pick. That's basically what the draft value chart w- would show you. Mm-hmm. That that they would that they would give up for that Baltimore would have to give it because basically uh, the draft value point chart lists Orlando Brown Jr. as like a second round value according to the Kansas City trade. So you begin Orlando Brown Jr. and you'd have to pay him, uh, right. and you begin and you and you would have gotten the late first round pick from Baltimore and like a like a fourth or a fifth round pick whatever right. that is right. And then the like that's that's what it would cost for the Ravens to move up from the back of the first round to the middle of the first round, according to the draft value chart. Would you have done that if you were the Vikings? And would the Ravens have even done that? Or is that too much for the Ravens to have given up for just moving up, you know, halfway up the first round? Yeah, I, I think that's probably the answer to your question probably starts with the Ravens might have balked at that idea. So I totally get that. Now, if I'm the Vikings, I will say this. There's a tough decision to uh, be made because if I'm not mistaken, Brian O'Neill, who is your right tackle, who's proven to be a very good player, is going into the fourth and final year of his rookie contract. And because he's not a first-round pick, there's no fifth-year option. So he's going to have to be paid and paid soon. Now, if you had acquired Orlando Brown Jr. as well, which, by the way, I think would have been a great move because he definitely could provide you with the potential stability that you've been trying to find at left tackle to what you just said, Phil, and you're right. He has to be paid as well, and you're already up against the salary cap, and unless there's a plan to get rid of Cousins, which there, I don't think is, uh, his cap hit offensively is already you know, going to be huge, potentially, for 2022. So all of this being said... I don't have a problem with the fact the Vikings didn't do this trade, and I think that the that Baltimore might have balked as well. Uh, but I, there's a secondary discussion here, which is what Kansas City has done. And I don't mean just one player. I mean they watched the Super Bowl, and they and they are a Super Bowl team. Like they're they are a great team with a great QB, and they watched that game with that QB who is among the most mobile quarterbacks in the National Football League. And he ran for his life, and they lost badly in large part because of that. And they said, never again. We're going to fix this problem. So that, to me, is the secondary most telling part of the discussion. Because the Vikings, with a far less mobile quarterback, year after year, go through this dance of, oh, we'll patch that. I mean, they are literally in the bathroom with a, with, um, with a can of something trying to put glue on holes in the wall. And Kansas City's like, we are tearing down the house and rebuilding it. So on that note, I think there's a fascinating discussion to be had about the recognition of what an offensive line means when you were doing it to protect Patrick Mahomes. Yes, and and, and Kansas City has identified this as a win-now window, right? We've already won one Super Bowl. Let's let's try and get as many as we can here while we've got Andy Reid still as the head coach and Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL and he's healthy, et cetera, but... You want to know the main reason why Kansas City was able to address their offensive line and the Vikings have not, besides want to? Like, want to is one thing. The Vikings, I think the the Vikings are, with Mike Zimmer, are more contentious stockpiling nose tackles than offensive tackles, so that's one thing. But the main reason, and people, like, missed this a month and a half ago, Pat Mahomes restructured his contract. Pat Mahomes' cap hit for 2021 is $7 million dollars. It's like this news went over everyone's head. I feel like a month and a half ago, it was we went from 
you know, Pat Mahomes signs this ridiculous huge contract, average annual value of like 40 or $45 million. He sets a new bar for the quarterback salary structure. Well, part of the signing of that contract was being able to convert signing bonuses to roster bonuses and, uh, and saving money year by year to the cap as needed. It's a very flexible contract. So him agreeing to restructure his contract or agreeing to a contract that the team could just restructure saved the Chiefs $22 million to the salary cap this year. Now, Orlando Brown Jr. is only like, I don't have it in front of him, but I think he's only like 3 or $4 million to the cap this year. And then they have to, so that was more draft capital that they were giving up. But in terms of free agents, um, didn't Joe, Joe Tooney signed with Kansas City? Five years, $80 million. Yes, sir. So uh, real quick, five years, $80 million. Can you just like loosely divide $80 million by five? It's about $17 million, $16, 17000000 million a year, right? Mm-hmm. And again, Pat Mahomes' restructured contract yes. saved them $22 million to the cap. A direct path to Joe Tooney coming in and fixing the offensive line for the Chiefs. So you know, think about how sort of unfair that is, that the, the Chiefs have the best quarterback in the NFL and a flexible situation contractually where they can all parties can agree and say, hey, for the good of this year's team, let's, let's, let's shift, shift some money around and push it over here yep. so that we can win another Super Bowl. So the Chiefs have solved since, since the season came to an end. The Chiefs now have a left tackle, a left guard, and, and sort of quietly late in March signed Austin Blythe, who had been with the Rams, to a one-year $1.75 million deal. Uh, the guy that went, the guy who's a doctor and opted out to help in Canada because that's where he's from is going to come back and probably play right guard. Like the only unanswered question is right tackle now. Like, think about that. They looked at one game essentially and said, we had injuries, but the line is, is not as good, right? So we need to fix this for our QB. And, Mm -hmm. and you are a thousand percent right about the fact that that much like uh, Brady did in his heyday with the Patriots, that Mahomes said, I'll restructure. But just as importantly, too, the Chiefs said, we can't have our really mobile quarterback behind this line. Like, think about this whole thing. The equation to me is what is is astounding about the conversation, Phil. You have Kirk Cousins. Like, I can tell you what his deficiencies are. I can tell you what protection he needs, absolutely. And stop telling me, yeah, but they can run block. I don't care they can run block. You are paying your quarterback top dollar. He doesn't feel pressure, and he he doesn't move that well, okay? So Mm -hmm. I don't care that Dalvin Cook thinks they're good. The only thing that matters with your investment in Kirk is, does Kirk think they're good? And Kansas City was like, okay, our guy needs way more. And their guy helped them, and that's great. But this is why the Vikings, in my opinion, are spinning their wheels so often. Because without this move, what are you going to do? Yep. Here, here's the other thing to note. Okay, Kansas City, they looked at their overall rankings last year, offense and defense, all right? And, and so last year, the Chiefs were number one in yards offensively. Number one in yards offensively. And they were number 10 in points defensively and only 16th in yards. So they were 16th 
in yards allowed defensively last year. They were just a decidedly mediocre average defense, right? And they went into the offseason and said, you know what? We need more offense. We, we, we need to – need, I know we were the number one scoring offense last year. A couple, couple injuries, and so, like, obviously we have some holes to fill. Uh, but we're, we're not going to look at the equation and say, all right, so we're already number one in offense. How do we go all in on defense to make the defense number one? Trying to make your defense number one through acquisitions and free agents and whatnot, you are chasing – you are a greyhound chasing a carrot that's never going to stop going around the track. And only once in a while when you get super lucky, like the Vikings did in 2017, and by lucky, I mean everybody stayed healthy for the most part. Everybody was in their prime at the same time, and and the scheme and everything fit, and the chemistry, like everything worked where you had 11 guys just all coming together on defense, right? And that's how you strike lightning in a bottle once every generation and have the number one defense in the NFL. Andy Reid knows, knows you can win a Super Bowl with a good, not great defense, as long as your offense is great. That's how you win a Super Bowl, unless you're the, well, what about the 2,000 Ravens? All right, cool. What about the 85 Bears? Congratulations. Right. <laughs> right? Because- how sustainable were those two teams over the course of time? Go look at those teams like two or three years later. They weren't the same teams because it's impossible to keep a defense together for more than one year. And two thoughts off that. One is, one is if you want to do what the Vikings are doing, you can't afford a Kirk Cousins. Like, you can't have that guy eat up that much cap space if your whole philosophy on life is, yeah, but defense, right? The other thing, too, is what is Reed thinking? And this is where, and I'm, the Vikings defense through attrition and injuries and opt-outs was a mess, okay? But just the ordinary Zimmer defense, which which is good. What does Andy Reed think? He thinks to, to himself, in the course of what is now going to be a 17-game regular season, my offense is going to carry us. Like, we are going to outscore teams. And that doesn't mean that we can be a sieve on defense, but we're going to outscore teams. Now, in the playoffs, it does change a little bit. Like, the games are different. But what is he banking on there? That his defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, can come up with a game plan in those playoff games that will hold teams down enough for them to outscore teams. And what is Zimmer great at when he's given the opportunity? I'll always go back to, and look, we can credit Kirk for the Saints' playoff win there a couple years back at the Superdome all we want. What I will always take away from that game is that is one of Mike Zimmer's crowning achievements as a defensive coach because Drew Brees was lost in that game, and that was so impressive. And that's what I need Mike to do in the playoffs. But you know what you can't do, Phil? And we've learned this, and it's just plain as day. You can't go into 17 regular season games saying, (laughs) the scheme on defense is always going to win it for us. That's not how that works. Now, you get to the playoffs, and you can do that sometimes. But but the Chiefs are thinking how the Chiefs think because they know in those regular season games what's going to win offense. So here's another question for you. Actually, a, a, another question for you, powered by our friends at Wamatech, because we're talking about fixing things right now, okay? We're talking about fixing your tablet, your smartphone, or whatever other uh, communication device you may have. Wamatech is a Minnesota-based company. They are a trusted supplier of pre-owned devices, phones, tablets, laptops, etc. cetera. Uh, buy, sell, trade in, whatever you need. Every device they sell is tech-certified, 
and comes with a warranty, meaning you're not buying a lemon here. Whamatech will take care of you. Whamatech.com, W-A-M-A-T-E-K.com, okay? So we're talking about just how ridiculously unfair it is that you've got the best quarterback in the NFL in Pat Mahomes, and he's able to take a contract that was going to pay him $30 million to the cap. Now, he's still going to get all of his money, okay? He, he He's not... He's not telling the Chiefs, oh, sure, take $22 million off my plate. They're sh- they've created a structure with this contract where they can shuffle things around for future seasons because they're in it for the long haul, right? Mm-hmm. And so they can shuffle money, and it's a long-term deal. And so they're taking money from this year, shoving it into future years uh, from a salary cap perspective, and it directly led to them signing one of the best offensive linemen in the league in Joe Tooney to help protect that offense in Pat Mahomes. The Vikings, without touching Kirk Cousins' contract, upgraded cornerback, defensive line, right? They brought in all these defensive free agents and Patrick Peterson. Yep. And yet they still sit here, just as they were at the beginning of free agency, with a bunch of question marks along the offensive line. And so if it's if it's that easy to go to your highly paid quarterback and his agent and say, listen, we're in this for the long haul. We can win it now. Let's shovel some money from this year into future years, and let's clear some cap space to sign an offensive lineman to get into the Joe Tooney sweepstakes, for instance, right? Why didn't they? One of two reasons. There's there's one of two reasons why Kirk Cousins has the third highest cap hit of all quarterbacks in the NFL this year, and Pat Mahomes is like 17th or 20th or something now. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 20th, right? Mm-hmm. Either A... The Vikings didn't want to commit to Cousins beyond 2022 because they don't love him, right? Because the only way that you can clear money from this year's cap and move it into future years is to create more future years. And so either the Vikings front office said, we don't want to create future years with Kirk because we like but don't love Kirk. We're just not that committed to him. And so we'd rather this contract run out when it's going to run out, which is after next year. right? And then we can figure out what our path is forward. So either A, they don't love him, and that's why they didn't restructure it, or B, he didn't want to restructure the contract and help clear cap space for this year because he wants to max out his own personal earnings year by year by year through the rest of his NFL career. There really is no option three. Like Option three would be both parties wanted to restructure and and create some cap space but shrugged their shoulders and said, ah, we don't really need to. What do you mean you don't need to? Yeah, you don't have a left tackle that. right now. I think it was. I think it's. I think option two is correct. I think that they did go to him, and I think that he said, "No, I'm good." I, I believe he That's told. Amazing. I believe he told him basically, "I did it last year. I'm going to play this contract out now," and and they're stuck. But this. But you know what, All right, buddy? You know what? We can blame Kurt, but let's also go back to last year. And this is the problem with the Vikings continually striving to be good but not great. If you're taking a good hard look at last year, okay, and you saw what you saw, which is a lot of unknowns, definitely a declining defense as far as as some players go. Now, and now because guys got hurt, it got worse. But you know what? I mean, you've got aging players there. If you had looked at that, Phil Mackey, would you have said, you know what? Let's push cap space to try and win in 2020 and let's extend Kirk? Or would you have said what Kirk basically said to them this year, I believe, which is, you know what, we're probably good here. It's a big cap hit. It's going to hurt. But if we're ever going to take it, 2020 is the time to take it. 
Yeah, I I would have I would have just let the contract run now. out after 2020. You'd be done. But you but but here's the thing: you'd you'd be done, or you could have opted back in. Like he's a free agent, and you you could have just paid whatever the market value would have been, or not. Right? You could have let him. Okay, go test the market. If somebody comes back and offers you 35 million a year, all right, whatever. Then I guess you know we still have interest, but we want we both want to test the market and see what the price tag is. I can tell you, you're not winning the Super Bowl. With Kirk Cousins as the third and the next year's second highest paid quarterback to the cap, the only way you're winning a Super Bowl is if he agrees to restructure like Pat Mahomes did and give you that extra piece, that offensive line piece, defensive line piece. So that was my first thought, which is, boy, this, this Pat Mahomes restructure has been no one's talking about it. It it literally it wasn't it wasn't the thing that landed them Orlando Brown Jr. but it landed them a couple other pieces along the way as yes. they went to fix their offensive line and they have now completely remade the left side of that line and that's exactly what the Vikings have not done yet right like yeah. and and they 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 had the ability to and thought process to release their left tackle and right tackle and said you know what we're gonna start again, and then went out and addressed them both incredibly, incredibly, at least on the left side with the left tackle and left guard, sufficiently. Like, that's the thing. If you're a Vikings fan, I don't know how that doesn't open your eyes to, oh, my God, look at what they did. And they're the Chiefs, and they've got a quarterback who can run, who can protect himself some. Not perfectly, but he can do it, right? And, like, you've got a quarterback who needs protection. And I'm not even blaming Kirk there. I'm not bashing Kirk. He needs to be protected. Like, we know him by now, if you say to yourself, you know what I think is really going to improve in 2021, I think he's going to have a better sense of his blind side. You're crazy. It ain't happening. He's at a point now that ship has long ago sailed. And so I was I saw that on Friday and I started going through what the Chiefs have done. And it just it amazed me that the team that that, that is already that good and that well run and that competent looked at basically one game in full and said, we can't have this. Yeah, and again, and and they and they also they just understand that defense is sort of as long as you're not a train wreck defensively. Offense, 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 offense. If you've got a good quarterback and you've got weapons, like double down, double down, double down, score thirty points a game. And uh, the Vikings had a chance to do that this offseason. Now we're going to get to a mock. There is still a chance. You got a first round pick. There's things you can do. I would have just to simplify this Vikings equivalent Orlando Brown Jr. trade. Let's take. Let's just take away like the draft value chart and the fit, like the additional fifth round pick. Sure, it really would have been Vikings get Orlando Brown Jr. and then they move back to the back of the first round, and the Ravens get the Vikings' fourteenth overall pick. I don't think the Ravens wanted to give up Brown and a first round pick swap. I think. I think you know that trade with Kansas City shows that they wanted. They wanted. We'll give you Brown, and we'll give you our second-round pick, but we want a first, a third, a fourth. We want, like, volume of picks yeah. back in return. Yes. And uh, just where the – because the, and the Ravens and the Chiefs are close to each other in the draft. Each round, they're pretty close to each other, right? The Vikings and the Ravens are far apart in these rounds, and so it just made the trade more complicated. But I would have gladly given up 13 rounds in draft positioning for that 27th overall pick and Orlando Brown Jr., and I would have paid Orlando Brown Jr., Contract kicking in in 2022 to solve that problem. And now I got 25 year old Brown, I got 25, 26 year old O'Neill, and I got my two tackles. They're both going to get paid, and I'm fine with that. And that's what I would have done. But I'm paying different people because my defense, Phil. I got to have my defense. I mean, you're not yeah, wrong, cool. but that's how they they think. And and 
We applauded this trade at the time. But I'll tell you about another thing that going into this draft has become a problem. And it, it again, it's not about the player. It's about the position, the side of the ball that you elected to address. The Ngakwe trade last year, right? First of all, I keep being told, well, they thought Daniil was coming back and he they could pair him. Okay, so you thought he was coming back, but he had neck surgery? Like, somebody wasn't there, – there was a lack of communication there. I mean, it wasn't like, I'm going to try and play, and then I can't play, and now I have to have surgery. That was a flat-out, we think he's coming back, and he's like, not only am I not coming back, I require surgery. That's one. So the lack of communication in that entire thing sort of baffles me. But the second is, that's another thing where you traded a second-round pick to what? Address defense. It was all about defense. This, this was not about, well, we tried to trade for a left tackle. This was, no, we tried to trade for more defense. Until the thinking is at least altered slightly there, I think these conversations that we're having right now are going to continue because there's just such a, there's such a sizable fundamental philosophy of how I think football people think in 2021 and how the Vikings think. Yeah. One, one more thought off what you just said, all right? Just total, like, 30,000-foot perspective. Going into this offseason, as you look to, all right, how can, how can we use the limited resources and cap space and draft picks that we have to make this team as close to a Super Bowl contender as possible? Mm-hmm. And one of the teams that you have to measure yourself against is the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs, at some point, on the other side of the bracket, are standing in your way if your goal is to win a Super Bowl, right? So what are you, with, with, with an offense that was already you know, top 10-ish, maybe knocking on the door at times, like after the season had kind of gone down the toilet and they, you know, they, they started racking up offensive numbers in the second half and whatnot. But like the Vikings were a top 10 offense and knocking on the door of top five in some categories. What are you more likely to do? Stop a Patrick Mahomes offense? Now Tampa did, and I get that. Part of it was injuries to the offensive line, but... Are you going to stop a Patrick Mahomes offense or pick your high-profile offense in its tracks or go toe-to-toe with them with what you already have weapons-wise offensively? You already have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is good when he's protected, right? you got some tight ends that can catch the ball. Like I'd rather roll the dice on doubling down on offensive assets and a brick wall pass protection group so that I can guarantee that I'm going to be a high octane 30 points per game force and Kansas City you're going to have to keep up with us offensively too right Mm -hmm. then say all right let's put all of our eggs in the basket of stopping one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time or in the in the NFC you're going to have to contend with you know still with the Packers if you go through the NFC bracket you're probably gonna have to deal with Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson right like are you more likely to stop those guys three consecutive games with a perfect defensive game plan and everyone's healthy and everything comes together? Right. Or if you put some resources into offense, having them have to deal with stopping your offense from scoring 30 points, right? Right. And so, I don't know. The philosophy doesn't make And we're saying this. The, the Vikings have the skill position guys to do that. Like, this 100%. is not a, oh, you got to get more. I mean, Jefferson, Thielen, Irv Smith, Dalvin BB. Cook. Yeah, BB Declan's guy. But you go down the you go down the line of skill position guys, and you can compete. Absolutely compete. Yep. Well, the good news is there's still an asset that 14th overall pick that you can use to fix I some mock. things. Mock!
along the offensive line. And boys, we have a special one here that we're going to pop up on the screen in just a second. This <laughs> mock draft Monday, the last mock draft Monday before the actual NFL draft, is powered in part by our friends at PXG, PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center. Now, these are some of the best golf clubs you're going to find. I mean, PXG, uh, the Gen 4 clubs, the drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons, these are, these are flagship PXG clubs, the best clubs they've made. You can find them at PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center and find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. Boys, I bring to you Peter King's, I think, it says final. Is this his only yeah. mock draft? He, he does one, I believe. Yes. This is it. Yeah, this is, this, is this is the draft day, Peter King mock draft, and that's it. He's out. Now, he does preface it by saying dart throwing mostly in a yeah. mysterious first round. So even he's All not right. really sure what's going to happen here. But let's go down. We'll start this off with Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. Zach Wilson to the New York Jets. And then Peter King has Mac Jones going to the San Francisco Ugh. 49ers. Hearing it's a two-horse race with Trey Lance, yeah, and they tra- will take Lots of Trey Mac Lance Jones. steam right now. Yep. I'm seeing more and more. I so basically, Fields is out. He's yes. out altogether, it sounds like. He's out, of the, he's out of that third pick. It sounds like. But I just, I will continue to say this. The Mac Jones thing, I don't get. Like, I get it. He's a first-round pick now. Completely get that. But third overall? Yeah, it's always suspicious when a guy goes from like, oh, he might be a second or third yes. round pick yeah. to just skyrocketing up to the to the top. Hello, Mitch Trubisky. Are you there? Hmm. But San Francisco, that's a smart organization. Yeah, I know. Oh, I guess we'll see. All right, Declan's guy, Kyle Pitts, to the Falcons at four. Jamar Chase to the Bengals at pick five. Yep. Inter- okay. okay, Sewell. So Panay Sewell falls a little bit. Falls even more. Jalen Waddle from Alabama going to the Dolphins at six. Oh, Tua's got some weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the Lions taking Panay Sewell from Oregon. So first offensive lineman off the board here. So no defense yet. Seven picks, no defense. It's pretty standard. And then the how that the Panthers after trading for Sam Darnold also draft Justin Fields. Tiniest of all tiny clues. Interesting that the Panthers have yet to say that Sam Darnold will have his fifth-year option exercised and guaranteed. Uh, they won't do it either till at least after the draft, is what he's saying. So it's interesting. Here's my guess. So did, uh, Detroit basically, uh, their GM last week throughout were open for business. I think somebody comes up to seven and takes fields there. You the Patriots trade up that far? They might. Yeah, I think somebody comes up. I really do. I don't see. I I don't see him getting to ten. Peter King has Trey Lance going oh. to the Denver Broncos at nine. Sorry, Dex. Drew Lock out of a job. Yeah, that's too bad. Like he might that. get to start for a, for a month or so. George yeah. Payton. Would Trey, be, Trey Lance needs to sit for a little while. George would be very pleased. I'm sure to get this pick. All right, that brings us to the Dallas Cowboys at ten. Or almost every mocker, including Peter King, has Patrick Sertan from Alabama. Mm-hmm. The first defensive player off the board here, right? Yep. Zim's like, what's going on? What's going on with this draft? It's all wrong. Is this backwards? Is there something malfunctioning? All right, Micah Parsons going to the Giants at 11. Yep. Uh, And then the Eagles taking J.C. Horn. So a run on defenders here in the uh, early teen area. And that brings us to the the, uh, uh, 
Los Angeles Chargers oh, taking Rashawn Slater. Son of a. So, all right, if it plays out this way, and I and I and I will before we get to the Vikings pick, just remind people that we have been keeping a tally on all of the mocks we've brought to the show. Who gets mocked most often to the Vikings? Elijah Vera Tucker is tops six times mocked to the Vikings. Christian Barmore was mocked often early. He still hangs on at, at second place here with five mocks to the Vikings. Christian Derrissaw is still available, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. Yep. Four times, Quiddy Pay four times. Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher, four times, uh, twice, I should say. And then a bunch of guys once. So if you're the Vikings here, you got Derrissaw on the board, any number of defensive players. Where are you leaning? I'm leaning towards offensive tackle. I, yeah. I take the best. I take the best offensive tackle, and if it's if that's slash guard, that's fine too. But I take the best player available on my board at that spot. Do I think that the Vikings agree with me? I don't know, but that's what I do. Got to be Darisaw, right? And, and if the draft plays out this way too, where where all of the quarterbacks are off the board by the time it gets to the Vikings, I think it's less likely that the Vikings would be trading back because the teams just wouldn't be as as jumpy, right? Yeah. And Peter King has them taking Elijah Vera Tucker, versatile offensive lineman from USC. Here's the write-up. Yep. I believe I lead the Vikings chunk of my mock annually with this sentence. Rick Spielman really wants to trade down. Nothing new this year. Maybe he'll find an aggressive taker if one of the receivers is still on the board. I had Jalen Phillips here until making the switch Sunday midday. Lots of times in mock Scienceville, you're influenced by the last voice you hear. So I had Phillips until the last three people I texted with Sunday told me the need is too great on the Minnesota offensive line and Vera Tucker, the person and prospect, just too solid. And Phillips, the person and prospect, a little too risky. So I hit the delete button. Vera Tucker, with 13 starts at guard and six at tackle, was voted the top offensive lineman in the conference by his foes last year. Seems a very safe pick for the Vikings, who pass on Devontae Smith, who goes to the Patriots with the next pick, by the way. Who turns into right. uh, just an absolute star. Yep. yep. Oh, I want to mock! So, mock! Uh, your thoughts on Elijah Vera Tucker once again mocked to the Vikings. I think it's solid. They, they're so, the problem is this. By not coming close to addressing these needs previously at all, like they made a trade with the Cardinals for Mason Storm, okay? Or Mason Davis or Mason something. It's Mason Cole. Okay, what, yeah. some whatever his name is, his name. whatever his name is, that's their offensive move so far. Like they sat down at the chessboard, they're, they're like, "We're going to make one move." And I know you got to make more moves than that. So anyway, um, the need, in my opinion, is so great here right now that you have no choice but to at least try to solve it through the draft, which is risky and not ideal. Because ideally, you, you can take truly what you believe to be the best player available. I don't think that the Vikings have that luxury, but I will come back to saying I'm not sure that they agree with me. I don't know. I, I honestly would not be surprised if Zimmer is in Spielman's ear about the potential of let's trade back and draft Quiddy Pay or something. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. But at some point in time, Phil, I'll come back to this until it's not the case. The left side of your offensive line is vacant. Like there's nobody there's nobody renting a room. There's nobody buying. So, Jax, what about you? If, if, right. if the board played out like that and they went Elijah Vera Tucker, what, what, what would your reaction be? I'm all right with it. It's just, I, I've, from what I've read from other smarter mockers than me, uh, it sounds like he just projects more to be a guard than he is a tackle. I'm not saying you can't plug him in at tackle and it doesn't work necessarily, 
But I just I have trepidations basically getting a guard at pick fourteen. Like you, can, I'm with you on that. You can yeah. find if, guards so much later in the draft. If he's a tackle, if he's if he's a tackle, yeah. okay. But you've got two t- right now, and you really have you have two tackles. Like Ezra Cleveland was drafted as a tackle and then moved to guard. Yep. Now, if you draft another tackle in the first round, and it's deemed that oh, we've got three good young tackles now, and someone's got to play guard. Okay, Ezra Cleveland stays at guard. But I'm with Dex on this. Like, if you're drafting a guard with the 14th pick, ooh, I don't know, man. Well, it depends. I'd rather, I'd rather have Devontae Smith than a guard at 14. If he if he truly can, if he truly can play both successfully, that changes the dynamic for me. But I I'm becoming more and more convinced by the day that O'Neal is moving to left tackle. And I know people they always chime in with, "What about Cleveland? He was drafted as a left tackle. Do we really know that? Like, we assumed it because he played there in college, but." Um, O'Neal played left tackle at Pitt in his last year there as well, and he's actually been playing a tackle position. Cleveland, Cleveland, as far as I recall, guys in camp last year, I don't think he got a snap at tackle. I think they moved him to left guard, then right guard, and he stayed there. And he was good there. That's fine. But my point is we keep I keep getting these tweets from people saying, no, Cleveland will move. Cleveland, I'm not so sure of that, but if they take Elijah. Vera Tucker with their first round pick, they very well could go O'Neal, Vera Tucker at left guard, Bradbury at center, and then Cleveland at right guard. And your Rashad right tackle Hill. could be Rashad Hill or Udo. So okay. I mean, we we don't know, we don't know here. But I don't yeah. think Cleveland. I think if it's down to Cleveland or O'Neal to move, I think O'Neal gets moved. Yeah, well, this will. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this will become crystal clear by the time the weekend is over, and uh, we're here for it all week. Daily Vikings Entertainment, as always, year round on Purple Daily, but this week in particular, uh, we will be we'll be essentially converting our we'll do do a live stream on Thursday night for the first round, and then it'll just transition into Ventline. <laughs> so, yep, just uh, just be watching us on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, and you can check it out in podcast form after the fact as well. And we appreciate everyone who has downloaded the Score North app, which is free to download. It's the central hub for everything we do at Score North. Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd, the Scoop with Doogie, Royce Unchained, 10,000 Swings, Minnesota Golf Podcast, Judd's Written Work, you name it. Just check us out on the Score panic. North Go ahead and app. panic. Well, let's, uh, let's see what they do at 14. First. Follow us on Instagram, too, by the way. We appreciate all the followers we're getting on our Score North Instagram page. Appreciate Almost to 7,000 yeah, followers. Sense. We're at a nice 69, but I would like to get to 7,000 here by the end of the week. It would be great if we could. Always, mind is always in the gutter. What are you talking about? You kids producer. today. Nice. You kids. It's a nice-looking number. I don't know what you're talking about. Mind you? in the gutter. It seems like you guys have the When did that become mind. big again? I know. So immature. All right. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow Bye. on Purple Daily.